Oh, it is a huge difference. Um, last year, I we did the the endurance race at Pittsburgh on the SV, and I did the the practice the Friday before on my CX10, and and I I felt like I could check emails going down the straightaway <laughs> while I was yeah. on the SV. You know, just it 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 definitely helped kind of for the endurance race just because you know things still happen quickly but not near as fast as they happen on the zx10 it is actually the most random thing ever mm -hmm. really uh i never really rode anything with two wheels and a motor in my life up until you know i was around 22 and i was kind of saving up for a sports car and end up just going to a dealership with a friend of mine where it's like hey let's uh let's act like we're gonna get motorcycles to see what kind of deal we're gonna get yeah well that guy was a heck of a salesman because we both walked out with two new motorcycles Perfect. <laughs> yeah it you know you you're definitely a guy that, that has the pace to to be out there with us you know you you were you were a quick guy. You you were a guy that I was chasing there. <laughs> Somebody to see this one day and be like, "Hey, we should give that guy a ride." <laughs> you know, I you know, I'll I'll back that up. Somebody should give that guy a ride. Thank you. Um, you know, I I I'd love you know, I'd love to see you out in Supersport or something like that. You know, it's it's a class set that you know, come, you know, we race together in the 600s, so you know, I know it's something something you could get figured out and get out there and, and do, you know, at a, at a competitive level too. Uh, maybe I can hear you now. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, there it goes. <laughs> what's up? Good to see you, man. I haven't seen you in probably at least two years. Oh yeah. It's definitely been a while. Yeah, you're looking good though. You're looking like you've uh, been working out a lot. Uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> you're a personal trainer now, right? Yeah, yes, I am. Personal trainer by trade. Yep, um, yep. So definitely, definitely keeps me busy. Um, helps keep me in shape to wrestle around these stock 1000 bikes. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, just let's go right into it. I'm already recording. Uh, mm -hmm talk to you and i like that hat you got on you got nice josh gerardo racing did i butcher that name uh everybody does <laughs> so uh, pronunciation of it gerardo 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 yep gerardo okay very good you almost have phonetic i've i've heard everything uh, <laughs> i've heard everything under the sun somehow even gotten Guerrero out of it so oh, yeah. people are struggling <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um so I wanted I noticed you had a really cool sponsor I wanted to, to mention you had a broster chicken come on and uh you got them on your on your lid now yeah looks pretty sweet yeah it, it's it's great to have them on board you know they're they're huge motorcycle fans um you know, Kirk is a former racer himself too. So just him, you know, being at the races and he hasn't come this year, just 
due to our whole COVID situation and everything. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's great to have a company that's kind of outside of the industry be a sponsor, and you know they're just huge fans of the sport. Um, you know they've to to be on kind of the the writer list that they have sponsored is is definitely flattering because uh, you know guys like like Kyle Wyman been sponsored by them, Josh Hayes was for a little bit there too. So yeah, to kind of. There. Oh yeah, to to have one of my helmets on on uh, Kirk's wall with you know just some of the writers that's there, you know, it's definitely very flattering. <laughs> that's great. And for some people who don't know, Josh is now a professional motorcycle racer, and you're racing with Moto America, sanctioned by the FIM, um, which is a world level you know sanctioning body, and mm. it's it's a high level sport that uh, we're competing at now. And you're still doing some wera, I think, still doing some endurance racing, as well. Yeah, I, I'm riding with uh, SWG Motorsports on their uh, SV650 in the lightweight class. And it's, you know, again, everything didn't really go to plan this year for that. Because um, initially it was going to be me and a couple other uh, Moto America riders that were going to compete in that. But um, everything getting rescheduled. Uh, it hasn't really exactly worked out the plan as most things this year has for people. Right. Yeah. Do they know how many rounds they're going to have for the endurance series this year? They've had, they've had two or three so far. Uh, I've only been able to ride at the Roebling round with them oh, yeah. so far. And it seemed, I think there's two or three left. And unfortunately, I think they all conflict with, moto america rounds ah of course so yeah so so they've they've had to to find some replacement riders to to fill in for us and who knows you know we'll we'll probably give it a try next year uh endurance racing is a lot of fun you know you you never really know what's what's going to happen what the day is going to bring and you know, anything can happen in four hours yeah or sometimes six eight twelve right yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I've, I've never done a race longer than four hours. Uh, I, I really couldn't imagine the, the, the focus riders have to have to compete in a 12 hour race and a 24 hour race. Uh, I know they're rotating in and out, but still it's just a, a long time to stay focused. Long, long stints and sometimes at night or in dark and, dust conditions it's it's difficult it's different conditions and uh you're yeah. not riding a bike that's yours it's uh, a group it's a it's a mixed mash of uh riding styles and different settings and all it's a compromise you know that everybody agrees to oh yeah uh, we've we've definitely had that um because typically i'm i'm the bigger the rider you know at at six four over 200 pounds um you know, my teammates are still not anywhere near my stature <laughs> yeah so uh yeah trying to find a compromise in in a setting that that still works for me and still works for them and for us to be competitive is is definitely tough right and what is the the transition like going from the was it sv650 to the 1000 with 1000 uh, machine that you're on in the moto america paddock 
Oh, it is a huge difference. Um, last year, I we, we did the the endurance race at Pittsburgh on the SB, and I did the the practice the Friday before on my CX10, and and I I felt like I could check emails going down the straightaway <laughs> while I was yeah. on the SB. You know, just it 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 definitely helped kind of for the endurance race just because. You know, things still happen quickly, but not near as fast as they happen on the ZX-10. Just you, you get to that next corner so fast that it's it, sometimes you know, to ride the SV, it's nice to kind of have that little bit of time that yeah. you know, you're heading down to the straightaway to the next corner. I mean, it might be, you're still racing, but it might be a little bit more relaxing, right? It, it is. It, it definitely is. But you know, just kind of re remembering to keep the corner speed up, because uh, definitely my my first few laps on the SV, I kind of ride it like a like I'm on a 1000, and it, the, the power is just not there. <laughs> kind of pointing to your corners instead of taking that roll speed. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very good. And uh, I think you have another great sponsor, Arai, for a, for a helmet that uh, keeps you. Yeah and keeps your noggin in good condition for all those those falls and spills that are inevitable yeah i've i've been been very fortunate to be, be partnered with with some great companies arriving one of them um you know especially when you when you take some some nasty tumbles you know having having a good helmet on your head to help protect yourself it, it is is vital and you know the the support that i've had from arai has has been fantastic because you know definitely over the course of the years i've i've had my fair share of uh, off-road excursions yeah and um i had a question for you um you know there's there's factory and then there's privateer but there's also people who are kind of in between that i don't know what what you call them what would you consider yourself and where do you fit into that uh those categories there oh i'm definitely full-on privateer um you know, i i'm owner of the team and you know i handle every every single aspect of the team um it it definitely be be great to have uh some some factory support from kawasaki uh it, as as the sport grows i can definitely see them you know coming with with more support you know, maybe even having their own like fully backed uh, team, you know, being ran by by somebody. But it'd be great to have them back. You know, we have um, you know Honda in the stock 1000 class right now, so it's it's great to see some of the manufacturers kind of making their way back into the sport. Yeah, there's um, quite a few now. We got Suzuki, Yamaha, Honda, Ducati. Is there any more I'm missing? I don't think MV has a 1,000. No, no, no MVs or Aprilias. Um, but yeah, you know, we got a, we got a couple Ducatis out in the field too, and so it's it's great that you know, we're we're kind of you know we're getting a lot of manufacturers involved one way or another. It's cool to see the progression of uh, you know Kyle with his Ducati and uh, PJ now is on the same type of bike and. Um, they're kind of having some problems at the last round with the overheating. You know, we're not usually in Atlanta 
uh, in the middle of summer like this. So we have a little different temperatures. And even uh, I think overseas they're having some, I don't know if it was tire temperature issues from the weather for with Formula One where they had some tire issues. But um, yeah, the machines don't always operate the same way, the same track, the same temperatures. It changes everywhere you go, different elevations. The, the bikes don't uh, have enough power because uh, the oxygen levels are reduced. So yeah, mm. it depends. And there's so many factors in a race weekend that you just don't have control over. Oh yeah. Yeah, we, we, we unfortunately did have a little bit of a technical issue uh, at Road Atlanta last weekend so that you know, unfortunately I had to retire early from race two. Uh, it was definitely a bummer because I was kind of excited. I got a pretty good start, which is not my forte. You know, the, the launch is not something that I'm great at. And, you know, able to move up a couple spots and be on the tail end of a few guys that were a little bit faster than me and really thought I had a chance to kind of latch on to them and, and, you know, see if we could dice it up and maybe make up a few spots. But, you know, kind of like you said, that's racing, things happen, you know, we'll get it sorted out for Pittsburgh next weekend. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of the teams I'm sure didn't have as much time for testing. And that would be a factor as to why some of these things are popping up that weren't diagnosed before because they never knew they were problems. Right, yeah. Yep, and so uh, so everybody's starting from scratch with this whole COVID thing, uh, for sure. It's It's been an extremely interesting year. Just, you know, every, from, from when Road America was announced that at least I'm sure everybody felt the same way where it kind of felt like we were maybe a little scrambling a little bit to, to get things put together for it because and we didn't really know if we were going to have even a season or not. Right. Yeah. And um, I wanted to go back to, you mentioned your starts. You said you weren't uh, so good at your starts. Um, you also said you're over 200 pounds. Is that, is that <laughs> Yeah. So I, you know, I remember when I was racing, one of my things that I was always really good at was the starts. I'm also, um, when I was racing, 150 pounds. <laughs> so you know that's at least 50 pounds 50 pounds difference and and you can't lose 50 pounds that's just not probably physically possible for you to do that uh no it, it'd be definitely really tough for me um i i've i've tried adapting my diet and and changing the way i work out a little bit to kind of lean out but i'm a i'm a former ball sports player you know I was a basketball player uh so kind of having that that muscle mass on me is just something I've always had and definitely would be tough to get rid of yeah and six four you know I don't expect you to be at 150 um I wonder if it's maybe more fair if instead of I think they just weigh the the bike right? They don't weigh, maybe they weigh you, but it's not part of the equation. The bike is what matters. So what yeah. had a bike and rider ballast combination so that every rider in the field and bike was the same weight? Now, I'm not for that because <laughs> I'm a light guy, but honestly, yeah. like it kind of makes sense. That would make it more fair, do you think? It, it, would, it would level the playing field in, in some ways. But I, I do I do think in a sense that my 
my height can help in some areas um, because I am taller and I am longer. It does allow me to kind of move my center mass around a lot more. So it, I can use my body to help move the bike around a little bit easier than some of the smaller guys in the field that, you know, they, they have to wrestle with it definitely more than I do. So over the course of a race, it, you know, it may, it may work into my favor. Yeah. You probably have to use less energy, I would think. Yeah. I, I'd probably say I'm probably a little less tired than, than some of the guys in, in the field just because it, it doesn't take as much effort for me, especially a track like Road Atlanta, where there's you know a lot of transitions and a lot of fast transitions that you know me being able to use my size and my strength to maneuver the bike through the S's is, is you know makes it a little bit easier for me. Yeah. And um, I don't remember when you started track riding. So tell me about a little bit about your lineage and how you started getting into the track. And when was that? It is actually the most random thing ever, yeah. really. Uh, I never really rode anything with two wheels and a motor in my life up until, you know, I was around 22. And I was kind of saving up for a sports car and end up just going to a dealership with a friend of mine where it's like hey let's uh let's act like we're gonna get motorcycles and see what kind of deal we're gonna get yeah well that guy was a heck of a salesman because we both walked out with two new motorcycles Perfect. <laughs> yeah so i kind of made some friends at the dealership and you know they're talking about track days so i jumped in and did a handful of them one summer and Literally, it's just one of the guys uh, at, worked at the dealership. He's just like, hey, I'm going to start racing next year. You should, too. And I was just, you know, the, the competitive side of me was just like, yeah, I, I you know, definitely want to do that, you know, because track days were fun. Now we're going to throw in the competitiveness of trying to, you know, beat somebody else that, uh, yeah, I just kind of jumped in and did that. And I was... I, I progressed through track days pretty quickly. You know, I went from beginner to intermediate to advanced pretty quickly and would be one of the faster guys in advanced. And I was thinking, oh man, racing's gonna be a gonna be nothing. This is gonna be easy. You know, this this might this might be what I'm supposed to be doing. And my very first race, I was dead last. I got absolutely blown away by everybody in the field. Is the the biggest piece of humble pie ever <laughs> that I, I quickly realized. Yeah. Uh, race pace is a lot faster than track day pace. There's just so much to learn. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it it really is. So. Yeah, I just kind of came up through the weir ranks on on the the 600, and just about a year ago, actually decided to. Uh, make the jump to the 1000 mainly just because I'm a bigger guy. So, you know, the, the leader bikes are just slightly bigger size wise, but also just the, the bump in horsepower might offset just my size as well. Yeah. I've heard a lot of guys go to the 1000s who are a little bigger trying to 
get rid of that disadvantage with the 600. You don't see it as much with the 1000. Yeah, it's it's definitely a little bit of an equalizer. Just it, the the modern leader bikes are yeah. so ridiculously fast. It's it's insane. Yeah. And so uh, you've had to change your riding style, I'm sure, a little bit to accommodate that, to maybe point and shoot more, not carry as much corner speed at some sometimes. Yeah, that's that's something I'm I'm still working on. Uh, I still I still ride like I'm on a 600, yeah. a little bit to to an extent, and that just that's probably just my riding style. So it, it's something I, I'm trying to work on, but also kind of you know, make the bike work for my riding style as well. Yeah. So it, it's, you know, I, I have a, a, a new sponsor that's, that's come on board with uh, DMR performance suspensions. Okay. And, you know, Jamie's been at all the rounds with me. So he's been kind of, you know, help being my chassis guy. And it, that's been nice. Cause I've never really had a suspension tuner to yeah. just work directly with me so, so valuable to have that right in your back pocket to just say hey i'm feeling this in corner three what should i do it's like oh yeah do this you know it's like oh well, i would have never thought of that yeah it's 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 kind of you know coming up through the ranks is kind of a cool feeling to have somebody that i can just pull into pit lane and be like hey it's doing this and this and this and you'll just tweak the suspension for me and go back out and could be better could be worse uh but i mean we've we've made a lot of progress in getting the bike set up for me and it's it's definitely helped a lot i've gotten a lot more comfortable on the motorcycle and it's but it it has taken some time um you know road america uh round 2 we had some issues that uh, honestly, I only had 14 flying laps the entire weekend. Oh, that's it. <laughs> that that's it. You know, we we had uh, some other issues that that slowed us down, and it it just took me too long to get up to pace. Yeah, that's that's uh, doesn't seem like a lot of laps. I just saw something on uh, social media. I was scrolling through. It said that some race event was going to have one practice session and then it was straight to qualifying and race. I was like, <laughs> and you've never been to that track before. You got, you got 20 minutes to go figure out how to go as fast as possible and then go race it next session. It's like, I mean, if you're a professional, sure. But uh, most oh, yeah. schools, um, that's tough. That's, that's, that's real tough for a lot of people. And that's, that's definitely one thing I've noticed. Uh, you're making this this jump to Moto America this year is you know, these these top guys in in every class really it, it's insane how quickly they get up to pace yeah and they're not and around all, out there putzing around like feeling out the track no they're not they just go 100 percent oh yeah it's 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 absolutely insane you know guys like Cam Peterson and Corey Alexander you know they're they're not wasting any time. No. getting up to pace yeah and it it definitely puts uh, a little pressure on guys like me who are still trying to get some things sorted out but that's part of the challenge i like kind of having the challenge too so we'll we'll get there and you're doing the full season is that stock 1000 yep 
Yep. So we are we are currently set up to do the the full season. Uh, pretty excited about that, especially with some of the tracks that we're going to. Um, you know, Laguna Seca is a track that I've always wanted to go to. You know, being from Fort Wayne, Indiana, I'm just two hours north of Indianapolis. I used to go to to the MotoGP races and watch when they were down there. So, you know, I guess fingers crossed that we'll still get the chance to race at, yeah. at those venues later this year. Um, it would definitely be be something really cool just to kind of, even just to, you know, check off the list. Yeah, and so there's a couple of tracks on the schedule that you haven't even been to. Laguna Seca, probably the Ridge in Washington. Uh, Indeed, nobody's been to. Uh, so at least three tracks. If you've been to Road America, I think, before, and probably Road Atlanta. I think I rode there with you. Um, yeah. Um, I'm not sure every track that we're going to this year. Probably VIR, New Jersey, maybe? Uh, so VIR I've been to. Um... I've only been a couple of times, never on the 1,000. Uh, it's it's unfortunate that one ended up getting canceled. Uh, we got New Jersey later in the year. I've been there one time on a 600, so I at least know which direction it goes. No, uh, yeah, the the ridge, never even seen ever. Uh, the the videos that I've seen from you know, Moto America's Instagram or other writers' uh, social media that have been there. It it looks like a really cool track. It definitely looks like a fun track. Laguna Seca, again, I know which direction it goes because I've played it on video games, but I'm sure it's going to be, I'm sure turn one's going to be very different. Yeah. Actually on the bike than in the video game. Right. You, you don't see the the landscape go by you in the video game uh and have that much yeah. effect as you as it does when you're really on the bike in person seeing it like wow there's a lot of elevation here oh oh yeah it, and that's that's something that's, that's really hard to tell in video games and even when you're just watching the races on tv that seeing the elevation changes that are at some of these tracks uh it's 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 really hard to to grasp it you know, I, would like, um, I would like to see the grade percentage of the elevation on the on the certain embankments because I remember walking to um, Road Atlanta and looking at that last corner. It's like, are you kidding me? This is what we're doing here. <laughs> it looks ridiculous. And uh, you know, I'm on my bicycle a lot lately. I'm getting a lot yeah. of in on the pedal bike, and uh, some of the places around here are up to eight percent uphill grade. And that to me, I'm like, I'm in first gear on the, in the chain ring on the front and the back trying to shift down further, you know? So I would just like to see some of those great percentages because they've got to be higher than 8%. Oh yeah. I have no idea what it is, but definitely that, that drop into the last corner at road Atlanta is it. I'm glad it's one of the first things that people see when they drive in because yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, crazy how steep that is um even even the stretch leading into the chicane you know coming yeah, off the back right. straightaway it, you, you just kind of all of a sudden crest that hill and you know then shortly after there's the five board <laughs> it would be cool to, to have done the gravity cavity at rotolana the old layout that they had um where you, yeah like there would be so much um 
so much g-forces that people would, would g out and hit their body work on the ground cars and bikes oh oh yeah uh you know jamie my suspension guy and and kirk with broser you know they're both they're both former racers and they've both raced there back with the old layout and they they can every time i go to road atlanta they can't they tell me about how it was and how how insane gravity cavity was and yeah yeah you know, i i even remember when i first started watching the 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 super bike races and you know they were still they were still using the old last corner yeah going through there and you know, even even that was fast like sketchy i i i still remember watching those races thinking i could never do that and well now I'm here trying to do that. <laughs> you're doing it now. I mean, you're not trying. You are doing it. Yeah. You're out oh, yeah. I, I would love to be out there. I would I would love to be just – I don't even care where I finish. I, the first step is just get back out there and then worry about where you're finishing, you know, for me anyways. Yeah. The, the competitive side of me gets gets frustrated with, with where I'm at in the field because um, I would just like to be up further. But, yeah, sometimes I do kind of have to hit, take a step back and look. Like, you know, the, the competition that I'm facing is is no joke. You know, even you know, even in the Stock 1000 class, you know, those the, – the top guys in the class are, you know, they're, they're national champions. They've – you know, they have quite the resume on themselves. So for for a guy that kind of just – randomly decided to race to even be able to qualify in a race with those guys it's it's something i do kind of have to remind myself like you know it's this is you know definitely no joke and not not everybody's able to you know even have the opportunity to try to do this yeah or even want to or have the balls to you know <laughs> or the or the money to or the funds or the time you know to dedicate to it um, yeah, there's, there's like definitely a lot of things that got to play into it just to just to you know make a season happen. For sure, and uh, we were talking about that last corner at Road Atlanta. I've actually crashed there. Um, it wasn't like a full-on crash. It was uh, I was qualifying for Wera National 600 Superstock qualifying at Road Atlanta there, and uh, I had just gone a little too wide. I didn't crash. I went into the gravel, but it's really, really thick pea gravel. So you can't really get out of it very easily. It's, it's yeah, you in really quick. And so I, I was, you know, bucking and weaving and I ended up, uh, the bike came to a stop and I ran away. I didn't even fall down. You know, I ran and uh, <laughs> broke two zip ties on my body work. That was it. So it was the cheapest crash I ever had. It was awesome. <laughs> that the the gravel at Road Atlanta could definitely do do some things to your bike. I I had a moment coming out of turn five years ago that it somehow like ripped my foot peg off the rear set, yeah. but also my shifter lever was just dangling there. So I'd finished out the race just in third gear with no left foot peg, like every left corner, I'm just almost, you know, flat tracking it where I'm just putting my leg, pulling my leg up as high as I can to try to finish the race. It's the, it's those, uh, people do those drills where you can't use a foot peg or you <laughs> butt to your seat or you don't have a handlebar. Those are tough, but uh, they, they train you for incidents like those. Yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, you got Pittsburgh coming up next. Is that next? Mm -hmm. Yep. Next weekend's Pittsburgh. And uh, I haven't rode the new configuration since they redid the, the pavement, since they made the, the south portion of the track. I hear that's a really cool section to go on. It's it's an absolute blast. Uh, what what they've they've done to the track since ever since it was Beave Run um, is 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 amazing. The 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 surface itself itself is you know one of the smoothest surfaces I've ever ridden. Oh yeah! Wow. Um, and just the, what's that? That's high praise. I mean, you've rode Barber. You've rode some world level circuits already. Yeah, it's it's definitely right up there with tracks like Barber. Just as far as you know, it seems like how well they've they've taken care of the track service. It's it's really it, in a lot of places really smooth. But the 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 addition that they've added to it is, is definitely great. Um, you know, the the S's section is you know again me kind of being a guy who tries to carry more corner speed and you know, kind of uh, suffers on the exit a little bit. You know, those those are sections where I I might have an opportunity to do a little bit better. Yeah. So I, I'm definitely excited about Pittsburgh because it the the layout of the track is definitely something that might lend itself to my riding style a little bit more. Sure. Yeah. I think they should. Uh, well, it doesn't really matter for this year, but um, to make it more like Barber. Um, they don't really have too many embankments. Well, I guess they have a hill that you can sit on, but I was just thinking maybe they could put in a couple more grandstands up and then you'd be right there with, with some of the best tracks. Yeah, it'd, it'd definitely be cool if they had a lot more areas for the fans to spectate because yeah. they, they, they do have the hill there yeah. that it, it's great that they can see the majority of the track. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely sections of the track that fans don't get to see. We, you know, when we when we disappear behind, I don't know. I think it's like turn three or something, and you know we end up coming back up the hill yeah. toward the north side of the course. You know, they don't fans don't really get to see that part of the track, and there, there's actually some action that could happen there because you know it's a it's a pretty good braking zone that's heading into the chicane right there, and then you know you're heading down down the hill. Um, so I, I'm, I would assume that they have plans to do something like that in the future, Yeah. but yeah, it, it'd definitely be cool if it was like a track like Road Atlanta or Road America or Barber, where there's kind of a lot of areas for spectators to go and, and check out the, the track. And they even have some, uh, TV screens up at some of the events. You can maybe see yourself go by. Yeah. Uh, Road America is the only track where uh, I noticed a TV screen. Yeah. Um, heading like into 30 foot wide TV screens. <laughs> yeah, it, it was huge. Uh, there, there's definitely one I noticed in uh, in turn three that there, there's a big, so I could see kind of what was going on there. Um, and I was kind of kind of as it was getting late in the race it was kind of my check to see were the leaders coming up on me or not <laughs> you get out of the way do you see blue flags pretty often um 
I actually didn't see any at Road Atlanta this this past round. Um, so the the front runners did end up catching up to me in race one, and I don't remember seeing any, so I didn't really have the opportunity to get out of the way. Um, but it, it was kind of all in sections where they could get by pretty cleanly. Uh, I haven't rewatched the race yet, so I don't know if I affected the outcome for anybody. If I did, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all for, yeah, let's get out of the way. But also I love lap traffic. I love, I, I love that because it just opens up so many opportunities. You could say, opportunities to screw you up sure but you could say the opposite as well that you could get by and the guy behind you gets screwed up and you got a now a gap and you have a buffer so i always like yeah. i try to as as uh i mean you want to make a safe pass but whenever possible try to get by that lapper right before the corner so that you know the next guy behind you probably yeah. won't be able to unless he's on your rear tire so there's a lot of strategy there i remember um getting past the lapper at Road Atlanta in one of the races I was doing. And they were, it was coming up turn one. And you know how there's the pit exit line, the yellow line that everybody follows up there? Mm -hmm. The pepper was right on the yellow line. The guy I was racing with went on the outside of him and I went on the inside of him. And now I'm like dragging my knee in the grass here because this guy's coming further in, you know? And we're just, we zoomed right past them, the guys in the middle, you know, I felt, I thought that was so cool. Uh, you don't get to do that very often. I felt like the guy, we probably scared him a little bit. <laughs> no blue flags in Wera. Yeah, Wera doesn't have, have any blue flags. Uh, so it can definitely get fun when you're, when you're coming up on the, on the lap traffic, especially when you're, when you're battling with somebody. The, the lead guy definitely, I would say, has the advantage because yeah. if everybody kind of gets stuck behind, there's not really too much of an advantage but yeah if that front guy can kind of just make the quick move and get by and you know it, especially as you as you move up you know even even at the expert level and we're uh you know, when you when you catch lap traffic it's 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 not very likely you're going to spook somebody when, when you come up on them because everybody's kind of experienced enough at that point that you know they they can hold their line they're they're gonna be fine uh, so it, it, it should be fine. You know, when, when, you know, Corey Alexander and, and those guys kind of came through, um, it, it was kind of an opportunity for me because I got to watch them at race pace for a little sure. bit. You get to learn so, a little bit. If you can follow try, them through a couple of corners, you can learn something from them. Yeah, I, I, and I definitely, definitely tried to learn what I could because I, I'm kind of surprised at how, um how often i don't really see those guys throughout practice and qualifying sessions so yeah. uh there there really isn't a lot of opportunities unless i made one to try to slot in behind one of those guys um but even even at that that point you know my my pace is still quite a bit slower that you know i'd still only get to see them for a few corners sure yeah and it's it's um i mean they're just such a disparity sometimes in, in lap time and skill level. They're basically, you could say, somewhat factory supported, or I don't know what their budgets look like. I have no idea, but um, yeah. riding at a very high level for a long time. You know, these are not oh, yeah. these are not uh, three-digit 
plate holders, right? These are <laughs> plate holders sometimes. Um, so it's very, very different. It's, everybody's at different levels. You know, you just got to fight to your own skill level and hopefully you're making improvements. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, my, so my goal is, is really to just kind of keep improving and, and you'll just try to keep moving up the field in the stock thousand class. Uh, hopefully next year we still have the Superbike Cup and, you know, I, I would hope to be at the pace to, to compete in the Superbike Cup. Uh, just, it, it's kind of cool to be able to do both to, to, you know, be able to head out with a practice session with the Superbike guys. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully in a couple of years, we'll, we'll get th all things sorted out and we can just go full Superbike and, you know, see what we got for Cambobier and Tony Elias and the rest of those awesome. guys. You know, for, for most people, it's just finding the budget to do it. If I had the budget, I'd do it tomorrow. But, I, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm just, I'm trying to work on my business, trying to, to sell enough products through ericswanracing.com and shop ESR and my eBay store and Amazon and Craigslist and all these different places so that one day I can afford to go back and do that. Um, so it's, it's inspiring to see people like you who I've raced with many times and to see you still at it and still progressing. Um, I, I would just love to be back out there with you, man. Yeah. It, you know, you, you're definitely a guy that, that has the pace to, to be out there with us. You know, you, you were, you were a quick guy. You, you were a guy that I was chasing there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, my, the very first year I ever raced as a novice, obviously I wouldn't have had enough points or experience to race professionally. However, I, my time at Barber would have been fast enough to qualify for the pro event as of the very first year I ever raced anything as, as a novice. Wow. Um, I would have been a backmarker, sure, but I would have, I would have qualified hey. and entered and hopefully finished the race. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Just that alone gives me so much confidence, um, and uh, I just just gotta get the funds, man. I gotta find a dump truck full of money. You know, when you find one, let let me know where it is, and I'll start looking there for one too. Cause yeah, yeah it's it. Your racing is 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 very expensive. You, know, you can definitely find ways to to try to try to cut costs. You know, we've all we've all slept in the truck or slept in the trailer or, you know, tried to do what we can to save a little money that you know, is going to get us uh, another set of tires or, or you know, something along those lines. So it's, you know, there's, there, there's a lot of people out there just, you know, I guess trying to do what they can to, to do it. And, you know, it's definitely something that is uh, just, it has to be a passion for you. Oh, yeah. for sure. uh, Cause it's, is it, it's it's entirely too expensive. It's too dangerous to to not be out there having fun. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to get too personal with your budget or anything. You can you can tell me to stop whenever, but maybe talk about how how did you get this finance or how did you how are you able to to get this uh, to fruition? Is it something that just personally done or you got people helping you out or? Yeah, so I I have some people helping me out. Um, so I, I do have uh, a few sponsors and a, and a few people that, that back me financially. 
uh, in some ways. There's there's still a, a good amount of it that comes out of my own pocket. So, um, you know, just got to train a few more clients or, you know, work a little bit harder to, to, to make a little bit more money just to try to make sure, you know, we, we have the budget we need to, to go out there and do it. Um, you know, just saving where you can. So yeah, there's, 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 there's some sponsors that, that are backing me financially to, to help, you know, get me to the rounds. But uh, yeah, my budget is definitely nowhere near by a lot of people's in the paddock. <laughs> yeah. And now that you're basically on TV, uh, you can offer them a lot more marketing than you could for Wera. Yeah, a, a little bit. You know, there's there's definitely opportunities. Um, you know, I, I have uh, a few shining moments here and there on TV. Um, you know, I heard it a long time ago that you know if you if you want all the TV time, you got to be top three. So, um, <laughs> it, so it's uh, you get you get a little bit of time for sure, uh, but also being there at the races with all the fans. Yeah, it um, makes a difference. It, 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 in in today's world, it, it's, it's with all the social media and stuff. It, it to me, I do think it makes it a little bit easier to for people to try to put themselves out there and make themselves marketable. Sure. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing is is you know, be you. Don't try to be anybody else. Um, you'll you'll attract the following that's yours and in in the same token you're going to attract sponsors that you know are are like you or looking for people like you and you know then that's just kind of how those those things sometimes come to happen you know you you've you've been in racing you know this you know it it also comes down to to building relationships with people Yep. So it's those bridges for sure. You can, you have to be nice to your sponsors and, you know, provide them with what they're looking for. You can't just ghost anybody. Um, obviously you have yeah. good reputation. You can't be getting DUIs and getting arrested and whatever. <laughs> um, none of that stuff. Yeah. And that kind of you know, goes along with, with, you know, needing to be marketable. Um, you know, there there could be some companies that, that want the bad boy out there, but that you know they may think you know even bad press is still press. But um, you know, I would probably not advise it. Right. Like <laughs> man in the world, maybe kind of. What's that? Like yeah. the most interesting man in the world. Yeah. So it's but you know you're figuring out what 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 your niche is and. Yeah, everything will kind of fall fall into place with that. Um, and you know, some of the reason I'm doing this podcast is to talk to awesome people like you, but also to get my name out there more and to market myself and to get better public speaking, better in front. I mean, it's not technically live, but um, <laughs> getting better in front of talking to people, you know. And um, just the more you do it, the better you get. And hopefully, somebody will see this one day and be like, "Hey, we should give that guy a ride." <laughs> you know, I you know, I'll I'll back that up. Somebody should give that guy a ride. Thank you. Um yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love you know, I'd love to see you out in Supersport or something like that. You know, it's it's a class that that 
you know, come, you know, we raced together in the 600s. So, you know, I know it's something, something you could get figured out and get out there and, and do, you know, at a, at a competitive level too. You know, I really think so. And I'm, I'm so passionate about motorcycle racing. I'm willing to build an entire business from scratch to try to fund it. So, uh, I'm not, I'm not giving up and, uh, and yeah, um, I raced at a whole bunch of different tracks and I had pretty competitive lap times. I mean, I wasn't pro, pro level speed, but I was able to qualify for uh, pretty much any round that I went to based on the lap time. Um, yeah. And I did it with zero budget. I mean, I had some sponsors here and there, but you saw my bike when I was first started, man, I didn't even paint it. I had, I had duct tape number plates and I was towing yep. Pontiac Sunfire in a Harbor Freight open trailer I built myself with my old street bike. <laughs> I, I had no money when I was started. And just like you, I, I had no plan. I had no plan to race. I just wanted to go to the track and do track days. Yep. And I found out I was already faster than people who are racing. So I'm like, I'm just going to try this racing thing. So, um, so yeah. And, and uh, I'd love to get into karting and cars, but one thing at a time. Uh, yeah yeah you, you definitely got to get the all those things take budgets <laughs> so yep. uh, the car thing, yeah go ahead i'm sorry no the yeah the car the car thing would definitely be cool to do one day um since not really anybody in my family rides i'm sure they would prefer that i raced a car than a motorcycle yeah just having that cage around me they'd they'd love that right um maybe but no, I I always thought it'd be cool to race like an open wheel car, like oh, an yeah. indie car or something like that. That would just be be so cool. Um, I, I think the speed of a Formula One car would might scare me, but <laughs> who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, man. I, I feel like if 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 I had the right budget and if I had the right um, maybe I don't know the right people or I haven't met the right people networking wise. Um, that I, that I could be out there and competing at a high level, whether um, many different forms of motorsport. It could be motorcycle road racing is what I had the most experience with, but I'm also very fast in a cart. I did the uh, cart racing at uh, Pittsburgh where they had the United States Pro Kart Series track. And mm -hmm. uh, we did like a, a reverse grid qualify race, feature race. And uh, I won the event and I beat the guy who worked there. <laughs> who are you who are you like like who are you like he's mad like and i said i'm coming i'm from motorcycles i just stopped by for fun he's like you're fast you're really fast and, <laughs> I, and i've done uh the only endurance racing i've done is actually cart racing there's a local cart place that has timing and scoring near my house uh, so you can see your lap times and uh and i think at one point they had 200,000 or so people uh, do a lap, and I was 25th out of 200,000 wow. people. So, you know, wow. right up there with the fastest people. Um, and some of these guys who do the kart racing leagues that I've done, I mean, these aren't shifter carts. These are just like 45, maybe 40 mile an hour carts. But they're okay. fast, you know. And, uh, and some of these guys who do this are professional car drivers. And, uh, and I'm competing right there with them. So um, it, I like, I like to just be competitive and in, in the motorsports aspect of it. Um, yeah. 
I've been doing mountain bike racing and foot racing. You can see all these different plaques and things. Those are all foot races and mountain bike races that I've been doing since I got out of motorcycle racing. I didn't retire. I'm just taking a hiatus. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm still out there racing, but uh, just different forms right now. Yeah, well, I, I hope to see you, see you back out on the, the, the motorcycle grids. I mean, whether it's Wira or, you know, you end up coming to Moto America to you know, show the country what you got. But, yeah, I definitely hope you get the chance. You know, I heard on um, – I was watching one of the, the broadcasts recently of the, the last races, and they said the cutoff is 55 years old. So I have a few years until they're going to cancel me from, from going on there. And what if at 56 – like at 55, I won the championship? Would they say you can't come back, or would they change the rule? Like, I don't know. I, I could see them, them changing the rule. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would be willing to bet, you know, I'm pretty sure Josh Hayes is still a ways away from 55, but if uh, if he wanted to give it another go, I, I I can't imagine they wouldn't allow him on the grid because you know, coming coming from Weira, there's there's some older guys that they're still fast. They're oh, still yeah, really man. fast. I raced a guy. I don't remember his name. I'm sorry. I raced a guy at Nelson Ledges with Moto Series, and uh, he must have been in his mid-70s. And this guy was no slouch. Like, this guy gave me problems. And I was like, he took the coming off. I was like, okay, Gramps, like, what just happened here? He, like, he embarrassed – I mean, he was extremely talented. But in a way, I felt embarrassed. I was like, how did I not, like, get away from this guy, him being so old? And you can still compete. I mean, you don't want to fall down as much, obviously. You want to be a little more careful. But yeah. he, was, he was very fast, and I was impressed. And that made me think, like, wow, uh, maybe racing's not over at 30. Like, people <laughs> quit or retire when they're 28. I'm like, what? what? I'm 28 now. Like, and I'm not racing. So I, I have the rest of my life to do it. Um, I would like to be doing it in my peak prime physical shape. But if financially I can't, I'm not going to go broke doing it. So I'm going to do it the smart way. Right. And uh, I'm going to be that guy who's 75, 80 years old, still racing this something. I'm going to be that guy. That's what I want. I mean, my name is on the business, Eric Swan Racing. I race everything. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean, you, you keep up with the, the, the running races and the, the bicycle races. You, you won't have to worry about being in uh, peak physical condition you know, well into your 30s. You'll, you're going to be just fine. And that's the idea. You know, my brother does full Ironman triathlons. He's done four of them now. He's training for his fifth one. And wow. imagine if I was at Ironman shape and I go back to a sport bike, I'm going to kick everybody's ass <laughs> because I've been training on my bicycle all this time. And I have all this previous knowledge of racing that I'm still doing. Um, I mean, yeah, it's going to take me a few track days to get back to my race pace. I did a track day in 2018 and I felt like I was the slowest guy out there. I was like, Oh no. Um, but it's just, I don't have, I didn't have the feel and I didn't, I also didn't want to crash the bike. I just fixed, you know? Yeah. It, it, it takes some time, even, even coming back from the off season of trying to shake off those cobwebs and, and get back up to, to race pace. And that's, I definitely think that's something that's affected a lot of people this year, this, 
you know, I don't, I don't know how much testing a lot of people even really got to do. I know, I know I had plans to go to Jennings a few times that things didn't work out. So it, it's, uh, it, you know, even, even just coming off of, of an off season and trying to shake off the cobwebs, it, 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 it takes some time, but, you know, I've, you know, I know a few people that, that have taken some hiatuses from racing and they came back and, you know, they, they figured it, they figured it out. Cause you know, once you're fast, you know how to be fast and you can, you can get back to it for sure. Yeah. It's learning. It is the hard part. Now getting back to that is, I mean, it's maybe still difficult, but much less difficult than it would be learning it for the first time, I think. Right. So. Oh yeah. So. Yeah, the learn learning to be fast is 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 tough, because um, you 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 have to you have to take risks to to get there, and you're going to make mistakes, and that's a that's a that's a tough thing. I'm not saying anybody has to crash to learn how to be fast, but I think it just intuitive it just happens as as you you know try to to find that line in in a way i think it might be beneficial because at one at one end of it you're learning how dangerous it is and you're learning to respect it um because a lot of times you don't respect it and that throws you on your butt and you're like oh whoa it, there's some there's some consequences here so it learns it teaches you forces you to be more smooth so that doesn't happen again and when you do find that line you know where it is quicker because some people tiptoe around that line for six years before they find that line. And if you find it, I mean, you don't want to find it your first track day. That's not the time. <laughs> but if you find yeah, it a little quicker a little than confidence. the next day, yeah, you don't want to throw it down the road your first day. Um, just get through it. You know, a lot of times I just think if it's bad conditions, you're not feeling good, just get through it. The whole point is just to finish. Like you don't have to win everything. Just finish. If it's raining out, put it in a gear higher. And just go a little slower. You can still race. You just can't try to win. <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, that was actually the advice that I've gotten from, like a guy like Mark Jung, who's, you know, he's he's fat. He's still fast, but you know, he he's a pretty well-known guy. You know, he's done some superbike stuff. And you know, in the rain, that was kind of his advice to me too: is you know, just go gear higher in, into the corners. You, don't really have to change too much. No. I, um, yeah. Yeah. I I haven't had an incredible amount of experience in the rain to to really try a whole bunch of things out. Um, but yeah, I would definitely encourage anybody who's trying to to become faster and become more comfortable. You know, seat time is seat time. You know, when you're trying to learn. So you know, don't. Don't wait for the super sunny day, track day, every single time. You know, go out there. You know, understand that the track conditions are going to be what they're going to be. You're you're not going to set the lap record probably anyway. So just get out there and try to learn something. You know, the very first time or the only time I was bumped from novice to intermediate in track days, it was raining out. It was pouring at Gingerman, probably 2011, and uh, it was only me. And uh, two other instructors, and one of the other instructors actually crashed. So it was all, I was the only person who paid for the event that was out there at that in that session. 
and they said, okay, well, you're obviously skilled enough to ride in this. So that's when I got my bump from novice to intermediate. I uh, was pouring rain on DOT tires, no rains, and uh, I just said, I'm going to get through it. And actually, that's when I, I didn't, nobody told me to go a gear higher. I came into the pits and I noticed, wait a minute, there's another gear down there. I just accidentally did it. And then I realized, that's why I didn't crash. And, I, and that's why I was more <laughs> smooth, because I was in a gear taller and I didn't realize. So sometimes those mistakes help you out a lot. Um, but uh, let's, we're going to try to cap this at an hour. So we've got about a minute left here. Um, so let's, um, let's kind of wrap things up. And uh, I appreciate you for coming on today, Josh. And we both had our busy schedules, but we were able to work it in. Um, hey, so thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Anytime. I'd love to have you on again. And uh, where can people find you online? Uh, where are you on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube? Uh, I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook at Josh Gerardo. Um, I do have a TikTok. So yeah, I'm one of those guys. I got a TikTok. Uh, same thing. Uh, everything's at Josh Gerardo. So, you know, there's, there's some racing stuff on my TikTok, but if you want to see me dance, that's, you know, I do that too. <laughs> Here we go. We'll send all the ladies over there, right? <laughs> So again, I uh, appreciate you for coming on. I'll probably edit this and post this pretty soon here. And uh, good luck at your next race. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks, Josh. Talk to you soon. All right, we'll see you. Bye-bye.